Well, welcome to Sharing Our Journey, a podcast ministry of Harrodsburg Baptist Church. I wanted to say sorry real quick. Last night at our Wednesday night Bible study, um, I thought I had unmuted all the microphones and I had hit the wrong button. And so the first couple of minutes um, weren't recorded as we uh, prayed together and started the discussion. So I wanted to just quickly um, say what we had read from the scripture was Galatians 5, 1. It says this, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. And so what you're about to hear was when the mics, when I realized the mics were muted and it's in the middle of someone's comment. So without further ado, here is the bulk of last night's podcast. Thanks for joining us. You've got to check all these boxes Mm -hmm. in order to be a Christ follower. Yep. Yes. Yes, yes. The context here is the church in Galatia was being influenced by a group of supposed Christians called Judaizers who believed that Jesus, basically that Jesus wasn't enough. You had to have Jesus, plus you needed to follow the laws of the Old Testament. And so Paul is writing to them and saying, look, you're being told you need to follow these rules, these laws, but Christ has set you free, not so that you can follow a new set of laws, but for freedom itself. And here's the thing about the law, is there, there were so many rules to keep that it was very binding. You spent all of your time just trying to make sure that you yourself were okay with God. You didn't have time to help your neighbor. In fact, in some scenarios, you almost couldn't for fear that you would be ostracized from your religious community itself. Mm-hmm. So you weren't free to love others and to serve others and to allow the, the, the Spirit of God to, to, lead, to lead you because of, of all of um, the rules that you yourself had to keep. And so <clears throat> Paul is saying, look, you're free now. And it's that for that freedom that Christ has set you free, not so that you can follow a new law, or some hybrid religion, but so that you can love your neighbor as yourself without the burden of having to check off all of these boxes all the time because Christ came to, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law for you. And that's exactly what he did. Yes? I think it's the concept of like them staining fast and guarding themselves against the lawlessness that was going on. And then developing now from the idea of that it's all based upon laws and rules and now it's actually a true relationship of not against all of the lawlessness that was happening in the true relationship with Jesus. It's, yeah. all, it's also an implication of bondage in that sentence. Can, can you elaborate? Well, you're 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 a slave. I think you're over slave. Uh huh. Slave in that sentence. Uh, uh, you're, you you don't you're not any longer uh, in bondage. Right. In bondage in your faith and your in your belief. And I think that's what it's implying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I guess to to sum all that up, it is really hard to have that relationship with Jesus when you're in bondage to the law. In fact, it's impossible because you spend all of your time trying to fulfill the law for yourself when Jesus has already done that for you so that you can be free to walk with him, to be that good Samaritan in other people's lives, to help your neighbor, to help your coworker, to help your family, um, to love them with grace and truth. Uh, and that sentence also may be the main focus of his writing because it's the first sentence in the paragraph. So evidently it had to have a, a lot of emphasis on that first sentence. Yeah, yeah. 
also put like it stood out to me where it says stand firm because in that time when they were following the law um i reflect it to now i think it's you've got to be careful about who you're watching like what sermon you're watching you're reading what you're reading on social media whatever because you could get back into that bondage of just believing whatever you see whatever you hear and then now you can be back into that if someone's preaching a false gospel like what Dave was talking about on Sunday, then you could get back into that slavery and that bondage but if you stand firm. If you actually know what the word of the Lord says, if you know what the truth is, then you can be able to have discernment when um, you hear something preach or you see a quote on Facebook or whatever, and you're like, whoa, that's not biblical truth. But if you don't know that, then you could get back into this idea of, oh, I need to follow this set of laws. Or, I mean, that, you can go the blank right there, but that's how I see it. Yeah. Home yeah. Part of <clears throat> part of the reason uh, it's so important that we have that that we study the Bible in in a group, and even as individuals, um, is so that we can so that we do know it, so we can discern when we find ourselves listening to someone else's interpretation or someone else's beliefs about Scripture. Um, we don't have to be um, uh, I can't remember I can't remember how to say it we, we don't have to be what we don't have to just believe blindly what someone else is teaching us we, we can um, <coughs> we can find it out for ourselves I mean we all have access to this uh, so, um, you know, more so than, than these people even did, who this was written to, right? <laughs> a lot more. Um, so we don't have to, uh, to let someone else tell us this is what this means. We can dig it out for ourselves. And we have the Holy Spirit in our life to guide us into what is actually true and to be that discernment for us. To um, you know, even then, when they would tell people about you know Jesus, and you know, they can say like, "Hey, like I'm not perfect either." You know, like that's not what you know we're what they're saying. It's you know, but because Jesus, you know, we can um, live our lives and um, just try to do what He would have us do. Yeah. See, that's why we have to stop on this verse because <laughs> there's a lot. It's yeah, there's a lot to it. There is. Um, yeah, I still mess up. Everybody else still mess up, right? Um, I am. My behavior is not perfect. <gasps> yeah, <laughs> it's not. Uh, but i don't have to uh stop and spend seven days sitting outside the town <laughs> in sackcloth and ashes because i made a mistake i can continue to minister to people now because i've been set free because jesus is my perfection um and that's good news mm Now, there might be people who wish I would sit outside the town for seven days and set cloth and ashes, but I don't have to do that. All right, anything else? In verse 2, mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey, to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have failed, fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncir or, uh, uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I'm going to stop there too. I don't really know what to say about it, but it seems important. <laughs> the only, if it's the only thing that counts, it must be important. 
right. faith expressing itself through love. I feel mm. like we've talked about that a lot this mm-hmm. semester as we as we've studied Acts, as we've studied the story. Um, about making sure we pay attention to the one, you know, the, the, the least of these. And uh, I think Paul kind of sums that up in a great little sentence there, doesn't he? That the, on- the only thing that counts is your faith, your faith in Jesus Christ expressing itself through the love of Jesus Christ. It's an important part of of what it means to be the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I need a question to ask so that they'll need talk. Need a question to ask? Verse <laughs> <laughs> four is a uh, pretty startling in just how abrupt it is, um, because he's basically saying that. If you try to be justified mm-hmm. by the law, you're severing yourself from Christ. Right. So if you subscribe to, like if, like the discussion here is about circumcision, and so he's like, if you subscribe to having to be circumcised, you are circumcising yourself from Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty startling, I think, the way he says it. Um, but he's just pointing out that it really is, the focus really is on grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Letting grace do the work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is one or the other. I mean, again, they're being taught you need this hybrid system. You need both. You've got to put them. You got to join these things together. Yeah. And he's saying no. But don't you think we struggle with that too? <clears throat> Absolutely, we, we think do. About okay, yes, I'm saved by grace, but then if I'm going to be a good Christian, there's a list of things that I should probably try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because not doing those things makes us less effective, or. The key word is what he said is love. If you love Christ, you would do all, you would strive to do all the right things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do think, to Tara's point, um, I, I think any of us, if we think through our lives growing up, if we think through our experience with church, we can all think of examples where this idea of Jesus plus something else mm-hmm. gets the the line uh, for salvation gets really blurred sometimes <laughs> through through how we live out um, our our testimony in Christ and and I wonder sometimes if what the lost world sees and observes a lot of times is that 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 we're preaching Jesus and something else and what Paul's saying is if you're doing that. That's that's not it. Uh, obviously, once you come to faith in Christ, they're still putting that faith into practice. That's going to carry out, as as Don said, a a love for Christ that that controls your actions. But if you're thinking your good behavior saves you, then then you've missed it. Right. We're not saved by grace and kept by law. Right. We're saved by grace and kept by grace. I think we might run back into this subject here in a, I think, in a moment. I think, so I think gonna, we will. I'm going to keep reading. Uh, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but you do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. 
<sighs> okay, so. How many sermons do you think we can get out of those two paragraphs? Um, <clears throat> I'm just going to read 13, uh, 13 and through 15 again. You, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Man. Okay, what do you take away from that? I think, I think some of the appeal following the, the law is, right, it creates a nice box to, to win, to, to sit in, right? I do these four things and I'm good. Mm-hmm. I don't do them and I'm, and I'm bad if you can apply those to other people, right? But to really love people in a humble way requires a certain level of vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a lot easier to have the structure than to be open with that. But I think when you start applying the structures where you get into the tearing each other down, the devouring and all that. I think the key is loving Christ as yourself. People who hate themselves, and there's a lot of them out in this world, they don't have the right relationship to Christ to love their neighbor. Those are both really good points. <laughs> I mean, and if somebody doesn't like themselves, why? They don't like something. They're not free in that sense. So if I'm not happy and I'm not free, then other people can't be free. I mean, and, and it's, you know, the, this started out where you were reading who had hindered you or whatever. Um, lost my spot. But, you know, First seven, you know, a little leaven, leaven's the whole... Mm-hmm. A whole bread, you know. I mean, do we not do that this time of year? You better be good, or else Santa <laughs> may not bring you. You know, and and you kind of start like, well, I have to be good if I want to get something. Mm-hmm. I mean, we started out learning that as kids, or I have to be good if I want to. If I want, my, I have to eat all my dinner if I want dessert. I have to do something to get something, and so we're we're raised that way. <clears throat> so, how can I get salvation if I don't do anything? So I think that, I mean, we, we're, we're in a, a whole law-based society, you know, we're, we're just raised that way. So it's, it's completely unnatural, you know, the spiritual, flesh versus the spiritual. Uh, and um, there was something else, but I scrolled and I, uh, yeah, and then, I mean, and then, you know, loving yourself and loving, yeah, obviously that's, that's the big thing too it's just I love um, I love Christmas my favorite Christmas story is um, well I can't think of it right now uh, by Charles Dickens yeah by Charles Dickens Christmas uh, Carol Christmas Carol goodness <laughs> well it's just I was thinking of it earlier anyway um, you know you have this guy that <coughs> what he loves money and hates the poor, hates people that don't work, because he, he works and he thinks, I've got to work and I've got to earn this, and if you don't work and earn it, then you don't deserve anything. And He ultimately learns, it doesn't, like, I have, I'm supposed to love other people, and that's what it's all about. I'm supposed to love other people. Christ loved me, so I should love others. And it's just kind of what Paul's saying here. But also intimately seeing, uh, it's not just like, oh, I love people, whatever, but like mm-hmm. intimately seeing other people the way Christ does. It's not just yeah. like, oh, I love my neighbor, whatever, and it's all cutesy. But I think genuinely getting to the root of it, loving them, seeing them, them being other people, the way that Christ sees them. Mm-hmm. I think that takes on a new perspective in how you love others. 
I think it's ex exchanging a mindset of this oppressive legalism, I have to fit, I have to do these things for Christ to love me, to actually understanding the true gospel and understanding who he is. And there is a desire when you get closer to him and have the heart of him to 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 please the Father and to be as close to the Father. And so it's switching that mindset of actually going from this exchange of this excessive oppressive legalism to now seeing the heart of the Father love and then love flows from you and you desire to love on others. You desire to be more like the Father because you've now experienced who the Father is. is good I've heard I've heard it um, said this way that um, that true Christianity changes your have to to a want to I used to have to do these things because if I wanted to be have have a good relationship with God I had to do this it was a it was a list of chores but when we are set free and experience the love of God it changes from I have to no now I want to I want to be I want to spend time with God I want to be in his word I want to pray and talk to him I want to go to church and worship uh, I want to share my faith with the people around me. I want to love on them and, and help them when they're in need. Mm -hmm. I want to go volunteer my time. I, I want to do these things because I want everyone to experience <coughs> the love of Christ to the way that I've experienced it. Mm -hmm. um, so it changed, yeah. We, we, we've become new creations, right? We've received this, we be, we've been made new. We've received this new nature and... Um, and receive this new spirit, and it, it changes who we are to our very core to the point where it does change our desire. Kenny and I were talking about this today, but a big difference between like hunger and craving. So, in discussing with the Lord, but like hunger in, in this world, you know, we it's just the desire to be fed, and anything can satisfy that. Um, but when you crave something, if I'm craving a taco, like just talking about food, if I'm craving a taco and I eat a burger, I'm not, my craving's not satisfied because I was, I was craving something else. Whether I, if I was just hungry, then anything would satisfy me. So the world offers a lot of things to feed us, whether it's sex, drugs, alcohol, people, status, whatever. We can be fulfilled and satisfied with anything, but when our craving turns to one thing that's going to satisfy us, and that one thing being the Lord and being Jesus, then that changes our hearts. Like you said, it now changes into a craving and a want and desire to genuinely, intimately know Him and be in a relationship with Him and consumed by Him. That changes the whole perspective between just being hungry for Him and craving Him specifically. So that's good. That was a good conversation you guys had. It's <laughs> a good distinction to make. I like it. All right. You ready to move on? Well, I, I want to go back to verse 13 again. Sure. Right? Uh, so it says, for you are called to freedom. I think part of, part of what we have to understand is that, that we are called to freedom, which means God who provided a way for everyone to be free is, is calling out to those in bondage. Here is freedom. Right? And when... When we, as, as has already been said, when we begin to see people the way Christ sees them, then our desire should change to, to want everyone to experience, as you said, that same love, that same freedom that we have found. And it's hard sometimes, I think, if we remain in bondage, like if we say we have a relationship with Jesus, but we still add other things in to where we bind ourselves, mm -hmm. then am I really that excited about trying to free someone else if, if I'm not 
content in the life that I'm living in Christ. I think a lot of times, um, you know, we get bogged down in in things and and we kind of lose sight of the mission and we lose sight of um, just what being free in Christ really means. Because one of the things I've learned over the last couple of years, you can't control labels that are that are placed on you. Labels and brands are part of life. You're you're going to be branded, you're going to be labeled. You can't control what those labels and brands are. But you can totally control how you respond to them. You can totally control how much you allow that to identify you. Um, and if you're identified by those things, then you lose <laughs> the identity that Christ is trying to give you, which is his. Uh, and when you when you let go of those things and allow your soul identity to come from him, then that's that freedom we're talking about. And then you start seeing other people who are bound by those same struggles and, and you <coughs> want more than anything for them to be free. Um, and so I think it is important to note that we're called to that freedom. Like it's, it's within all of us. And if he's calling it to us, obviously that's what he desires for us to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right, verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the, of, of the flesh. For the flesh desires that... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm getting all tongue-tied. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in... Con- they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. <clears throat> um, might, you might say those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who, are, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. I think the spiritual laws are just as viable as gravity, as natural laws. Hmm. A lot of times we confuse the two, but when God placed this universe into being, those were laws that he placed in place for the human being. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's a good thought. Um, for a believer, um, Love should come as naturally as as breathing, as my feet staying planted on the on the earth, right? Because gravity holds me there. Um, and I, I know I know Jonathan wants to talk about the fruit. Um, <laughs> just just it's singular, right? It's fruit of the spirit because. It's one ball, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are all part of it. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can say, well, I've, I've got love and I've got uh, joy, but I don't have self-control. Like, so the fruit of the Spirit should be on display as, as a whole, Right. Whereas the, the works of the flesh, the contrast, they're multiple. There's a lot of different ways that we can fall in, into those. Those are works 
but the fruit of the Spirit is singular. It's, it's, it's the working of the Spirit in our lives to, to reveal each of those things. Because a lot of times, and I'll put myself as the first one, it's, you know, when you list them all out, like you said, it's like, oh, I'm really good at this one and that one, but mm, I'm just, that's just my personality. Like, I just, I don't have a lot of love. Like, people get on my nerves. Mm -hmm. That's me. And I think a lot of times we sit there and accept, like, well, that's just how I am. That's how my personality is. But when you truly get consumed by the Holy Spirit, which I feel like we really touched on last week, is now it's like you don't have an excuse. You... Even if that is not a part of your being, mm -hmm. then you sit there and say, Holy Spirit, help me to love a, this specific person. Help me to love people who don't look like me. Help me to whatever. Um, and that could, well, it could be applied to any of those that we can't just accept, like, well, this is just how I am. Because mm -hmm. we preach on it all the time how the Lord changes us completely and, and um, changes everything about us. Well, that includes all these other stuff, all this other stuff that we say we aren't. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. another thing is, we we are not we're a lifetime project. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're not we're not we can't change overnight and right. become the person we would yep. like to be. But from the first breath we take, the last one we breathe, we're a lifetime project. Mm -hmm. <coughs> yeah, and and just like that, fruit doesn't grow overnight, does it? No. Nope. It takes time. Yeah. And the fruit of the spirit will grow in our life if we keep in step with the Spirit, like it says here. And also, it's contrasting the fruit of the Spirit with the work, the acts mm -hmm. of the flesh. Yeah. One is what I can do. Mm -hmm. And when I get involved and I'm trying to do it on my own, the result is that first list, usually, right? Mm -hmm. But if I... And walking in the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, which I think it's capitalized in our Bibles, right, for a reason. Um, that fruit, that doesn't have anything to do with, with me. That's me trusting God to grow the fruit in my yep. life. Yep. Me submitting to what He is wanting to do in my life and allowing that fruit to grow and be cultivated. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Like, I think that's how we get back into these. We don't realize that we're doing it. We don't mean to do it. We don't think it truly or believe it truly that we have to check these boxes. And maybe I'm just speaking for me. I'll speak for Janelle. I'm not good at walking in the Spirit all the time. Yeah. I might start out in the morning really great and doing really good, really patient with the kids. Oh, Jesus is helping me be patient with them. And then we get in the car, and I've forgotten all about Jesus <laughs> until a Caleb song comes on. And then I'm like, okay, okay, Jesus, help me again, help me again. And then someone does stupid in the in the drop-off line, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, why don't they understand how this works? Like, So I'm not good at it. And, and, and as the day progresses, I forget to talk to Jesus about it because I'm just like, oh, i got to get this done, and i got to get this done, i got to get this done. And then we have Bible study tonight, and I'm like, oh, I didn't walk in the Spirit a lot today. And so that's where you get back to this. In order to get in the spirit, I need to make sure I I I, I need to be about. I want to be about Sunday night. I want to be here, but I also know that doing that will get me back to doing that gets me back to here. Sitting down to read my Bible gets me back to there. So there are things you do to get there. Right. Mm -hmm. So there is a list mm -hmm. that we get down on ourselves if we're not doing because then we know the result of not doing those things is not as much spirit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a very Hard balance. Yeah, yeah uh, I hope nobody hears me saying that there shouldn't be. There's obviously things that we can partake of that are better for us than other things. Right. I feel a lot better if I have a salad for dinner than a bag of Cheetos. <laughs> that's just life. That's that's reality. But um, the distinction I think Paul's trying to make is that. <coughs> at a certain point a person who is consumed with religion mm -hmm. does it out of a a sense of obligation whereas a person who is about a relationship with Jesus does it out of a sense of desire 
because they want they want that in their life. They want Jesus in their life more. Mm-hmm. I think it, I mean, for, again, for me, it also becomes just, um, and not out of like, I mean, I, I definitely know it's out of a relationship. That I'm, the, I'm the latter of what you just spoke. But it also just, do you ever just get tired? <clears throat> like, I'm just tired. I'm tired of it being a struggle. I'm tired of Janelle wanting what Janelle wants. You know what I mean? I'm just tired <laughs> I I think Paul would say that it's this hard, right? He says I I I do what I I right I do what I don't want to do. That's what I feel like it's saying. I feel like it's saying it shouldn't be hard. But it's hard for me sometimes. Yeah, I I think especially this section we're looking at, it's important to remember Paul's laying out evidence, right? So if you're in court and you're on trial. He's laying out evidence, not not for every single moment of someone's life, but a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, if the people around you know you more by your outbursts of anger, your selfish ambitions, your uh, dissension, your, your factions, your envy, if they know you more by that than anything else, there's a problem. Then you're living by the flesh. You, you cannot say, I walk with Christ, if that is your pattern of life. Not, not moments where we're in a, in a car circle and something happens to cause an outburst of anger. That's, that's a momentary thing. But if that's the pattern of your life, if that's how you're known, then, that's a, then, then the evidence would say that person doesn't have a walk with Christ. <coughs> where the fruit of the Spirit, again, is evidence saying, on the contrary, if people know you and say... You know, this person exhibits, uh, this person loves people. This person is kind. This person is patient. Uh, Again, we all know none of us are ever that 100% of the time. But if that's our lifestyle, if that's consistently more who we are than than the other, uh, that's what he's laying out as more of an evidence. And again, as, as Bo said, there's a reason it's fruit of the Spirit works of the flesh. So so in my own, I'm I'm works of the flesh. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, then I can be these other things. And I think when we when we have moments where people see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control in our lives, a lot of times we have to also fight a temptation to say, oh look at me, I'm I'm doing a good job. We really need to recognize Praise God that somebody saw that in me because really I am outburst of anger and, and selfishness and that's really who we are. Um, and so the fact that, that the Holy Spirit can move in, in a way in which anyone would ever see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is, is more praise to him for, for how he, he works. You know, you were talking about the struggle. Paul, again, talks about, you know, like in his writing, I do what I don't want to do and the things I, I want to do, I don't. Like, that's that's, that's that same I, struggle. I was just looking that up. Yeah. It's Romans that's 7. It's, it's Romans 7. And that's, I don't feel like that's reflected a lot in what we've read tonight. Right. That struggle yeah. isn't seen. Yeah, here. yeah. <laughs> he's, you know, this is this is a little different when he's talking to the Galatians and, and what they're uh, facing. But you also have to understand... I'm imagining if you're if you're if you're living in the Roman Empire where everything is order, everything is law, everything is not freedom, right? Because even the wealthy in Rome, they're not free because there's still social contracts and, and things they have to keep up with. When you when you read what he's talking about and and how freeing that can be, that had to be so foreign to them from the background that they were coming out of. Um, and, I, and I think today, if, if we live in that freedom, the world doesn't always understand it. Um, I don't know if any of you watch the NBA. I, I used to, but I, I mainly just watch playoffs now. But Ernie Johnson is a host on uh, the NBA on TNT. So he, his job is to talk during halftime and between games when the, when the NBA is on TNT. Um, Ernie Johnson's also a very faithful follower of Christ. 
Uh, and just this this week, he lost one of his sons uh, who who had muscular dystrophy. Passed away, I think, at the age of 33. If you haven't had a chance yet, <laughs> I would encourage you to go online, find the article written about the tribute that his co-host, Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, uh, and Kenny Smith did on NBA on TNT to, to Ernie and his wife. Watching them, you can get a sense that they're having a hard time understanding how this man loved, loves the way he loves. But they work with him. For 20 years, some of them, they've been with him. And day in, day out, they're blown away by how he loves because the, the children that he and his wife have, they adopted them. And so they chose to raise this young man who had muscular dystrophy. Uh, and if you find the article that I found on, on Yahoo, it actually shows a clip from Ernie Johnson speaking, I think in 2019, about his son, Michael, and about how they adopted him and how the adoption agency itself overseas, <laughs> when his wife picked this boy up, said, oh, leave that boy, he's no good. And to hear Ernie talk about how he and his wife decided to adopt this child, and then what his son Michael, through, through his life, the value that revealed itself, um, it, it, it's unfathomable for the world that someone would make a choice to love in that way. But I think uh, from, from what I know of Ernie Johnson, he would, he would tell you that it's not him. It's, it's the working of the Holy Spirit in his life that allows them to have that capacity for love. Because none of us on our own can, can do that. That's just not how we're, that's not in our natural DNA. We have a question from online, from, from Brother Harley. He says, why is love the first fruit? Right? I mean... Is this the greatest? <laughs> right? I think if you love, it makes all those other things easier. Yeah, and if you don't love, then we have other places in the Scripture that tell you what? None of the rest of it matters. Yeah. First Corinthians 13. Yeah. I think going back, you know, talking what Janelle was saying, what you just said is, you know, I don't think that we, ju I don't think that we should judge ourselves or judge other Christians based on where you are. Right. Um, we judge based on where we started and where we are now. So, did I start here and now I'm here? <laughs> right. Five years later, did I start here and I'm still here? Five years later, uh, you know, it, it's a lifelong process. Are you growing? Are you becoming more loving? So on, and so forth. Or am I just staying where I am? And I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. um, then you got you got bigger questions that you got to answer. Right. But yeah, I, I think it's easy to judge ourselves and maybe even others. But it's like, you know, where did they start? Where are they now? Where did I start? Where am I now? I'm sure Ernie, 40 years ago, you know, they right. wouldn't have said the same thing as what they would now. Right. Yep. I, I think so, too. You know, when, when you see someone and, like, on the outside looking in, you're like, oh, man, they got it all together. Like, they know what they're doing. I bet they do. I bet they read their Bible every day. I bet they do whatever. And then if you hear them talking about, wow, I'm really struggling with whatever, and you're like, Really? Like, not that you're happy about that, but right. it makes you feel like, right. well, that, it, it's okay because, you know, they're working on that. And, and it's okay that I'm not perfect in this because, you know, I think they're awesome and I thought they had it all together, but they don't. Um, and so, and, and then that kind of can make you feel better about yourself. Like, okay, it's, a, I can keep working. Like, it's okay. It's not going to be Disneyland every day, you know, like, um, so. But yeah. also not sitting and just to satisfy, like being over-satisfied. Because my dad and I are going through this devotion book. It's called Morning Mercies. Is that what it's called? New Morning Mercies. <laughs> Excuse me. New and this is a few days ago, but it talks about how he thinks everyone's so over-satisfied. Like we are satisfied with going to church for an hour and whatever, leaving, not really getting anything out of it. Like we're not convicted about it. We're over-satisfied. We're satisfied going to work, leaving, and not making that our ministry. We're satisfied 
doing our devotion. Like, yeah, we didn't get nothing out of it, but we'll try again tomorrow. Like, we're sat, we're so satisfied and sitting in almost like quicksand. Like, you're you're just not moving. Like, you're satisfied with being in the same place instead of being convicted to the point and not settling in the fact that. Yeah, I've been working on it, but I've been working on it for five years. And, well, it's okay. I'll, it's going to be another year. Well, I'm still working on it and whatever. I think it's just, it boils down to sometimes being oversatisfied. So many times I think you try to mold yourself rather than let God mold you. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get in trouble. This also, this also speaks to the importance of, of the church, the family of God, right? Yeah. Um, because to, to, both, to all those points that were just made, if, you, if you're trying to do this on your own, you, you have a tendency to, one, you could either be easier on yourself than you need to, or you may be harder on yourself than you need to. Um, but there's a reason that iron sharpens iron, right? Uh, when, so, so if we could do this easily on our own, then I don't think God would have said, hey, be, be part of this body of mine and, and serve together. Uh, the reason that's there is because we need each other to, to occasionally say, hey, what, what's this going on, right? Um, not in a, in, a, in a judgmental pointing finger way, but in a loving hey, this, this is not going to work well for you. This is not what God desires for you. Um, and, and also to be vulnerable, as, as you said, in, in, in your brokenness, in the midst of the body of believers, should be the safest place on earth to, to be able to be open with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, because we can take all that back to freedom. Mm-hmm. When we allow the freedom of Christ to be in our church, in our life, and in our church body, um, it's not just a freedom to love people freely. It is a, it is a freedom also to realize that, you know what, I might fail and my brother or sister might fail, but there's a freedom there. And when they fail, it's okay. Not in a sense of <coughs> we want people to just keep <laughs> sinning, but in the sense that I don't have to, I don't, I don't have to go to them in judgment and say, "You messed up. See ya." I can go to them in freedom with grace and truth and gently restore them in love. Mm -hmm. And I can be free to admit my own failures. I can't, if I'm under law, I can't admit my failures to you all. I can't do it because of the judgment and the backlash that will come back on me. Mm -hmm. But we all know, Janelle said, I, you said, you said, I don't know if this is just me or if it's, anybody else feels this way. And then you confessed all those things. Everybody else in this room knows exactly what you're talking about. But when I'm under law, I can't confess that stuff because of the judgment that might come back on me. When I'm free in Christ, I can be vulnerable. And in that way, we help each other in our walk. And we can pray for one another specifically. We can share our experiences and how the Lord brought us through that thing that you're now struggling with so that we can encourage you, so that we can share the hope that we have in Christ with you. And all of those things not only make us a more unified body, but it makes us stronger in our faith because now we're bound together. We're interconnected. Um, by the freedom, it all starts with that freedom that we have in Christ. So, um, any other thoughts? We're not. We might as well not even touch six. We we don't have we don't have time. 
You were right. We didn't get there. But we have a couple minutes. If y'all have any other things, anything else you want, any other insight you want to share? I think when you are led by the Spirit, you freely choose to follow in the path of what is right. And it goes back to that liberty and that freedom because you know the freedom of Christ and you've experienced the freedom. You choose freely to continue walking in the spirit and not choose the works or the lust of the flesh because you deeply know you are free and you're and you're walking in a yielded state to the to the holy spirit well it also gives you the power to say no Mm -hmm. to say no to the things that are not good for us when i know i've been set free then i know that i'm not bound to this or that sin anymore. I say, no, you're not, you, you're not the master of me. Mm-hmm. I'm free. Yeah. All right, well, um, hey, Derek, would you mind to close us in prayer? Father, thank you for the time we can together and just uh, dive into your word. Thank you for uh, Bob and Jonathan uh, that leads to the discussion. Just help us uh, continue to, to seek you and understand uh, how to be vulnerable and just love uh, our neighbors as you have us do that. And uh, it's, it's often, it's hard. Uh, it's a lot easier to, to move into these uh, areas where we have uh, checklists and uh, against each other, but just help us to continue to seek you and really understand what that is and, and continue to, to grow in your spirit. Shame pray. Amen. Amen. That reminds me of one other thought I had while y'all were talking. It's about the about the about the checklists and the boxes. When I start setting up that kind of law in my own life, well all of a sudden I've got to hold everyone else accountable to that law. And that causes a disunion. But when, because, hey, if these are my standards and you didn't follow them, well, then all of a sudden there's a disconnect, isn't there? But when we live in the freedom that that the Spirit brings, that Christ gives us, then suddenly our church becomes a unified body. Um, So that was was it in a nutshell. Um, So there you go. All right. Well, thanks for being here. We love you all, and um, we hope to see you again next week, and we'll catch you on the flippity-flip.